All right, we're going to jump into a talk. <clears throat> One thing, um, uh, yeah, so uh, love playing games together, love the vision talk this morning, loved uh, what Mark had to bring, loved lunch, uh, and uh, we want to continue. Uh, Bill, you're here. You were here earlier. Yay. Well, you lose some, you gain some. It's just like regular church. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's here. <laughs> um, one of the things that I did want, it still sounds too loud. Could you bring it up? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Um, so it, one of the di other vision casting things that I, I didn't get to this morning that I, I wanted to uh, mention, it's really quite huge, <clears throat> and is actually uh, a part of the motivation between building unity between the three campuses, of course, for the sake of unity, for growth and all that, um, and then uh, the shared experiences uh, of, of coming together, the bless a neighbor, bless a nation, was like the test run of us three campuses working together on a goal of giving uh, what will be $36,000 away. Um, all of that is kind of ramping us up, and many of you have mentioned to this individually or if you're on one of the uh, uh, board or the lead team, a higher level, um, I may have brought it up, <coughs> is that Kicking off this fall, we want to start a three-year capital campaign. This is something we've never done as a church, uh, to do a long-term fundraising goal for a large amount of money, and we're looking at about $1.5 all right? <clears throat> and what that will enable us to do, uh, and uh, that is within the range of what a church with our uh, revenue can tackle in a three-year. Three years doesn't mean all 1.5 needs to be in the bank at that point, but uh, in donations and pledges. Okay, so if we get half of that donated and pledges for the other half, then uh, you can get what's called a bridge loan or a short-term loan that we have pledges that within the next three years we'll have the rest, the other 750,000 come in then it all works, <clears throat> or if we get it all, it's all better. And what that does is uh, it pays this building off. And this building was going to be for free, so I'm holding God to his word. <laughs> uh, and we will be able to pay off this building uh, completely, and we've already invested a lot of money renovating um, But And this is, there's a lot of property here, a lot of growth potential. And in addition to paying off this building, it would provide uh, staffing. Uh, so we would have either uh, a part-time or full-time or full-time equivalent. I'm hoping for a full-time equivalent, which means like two part-timers or even three part-timers. There's different ways you can work that. But that would provide uh, enough money to carry the salary and pay off the building for Vandalia. It would pay off Vine building, uh, which is we only owe like 85,000 on it. So that's, that's real doable. <coughs> uh, but having that building paid off would uh, just changed everything. It changes uh, the whole dynamic of how we could run the Vine Ministry, which is primarily an outreach center. It's definitely a, a church uh, that has a, a, a vibrant congregation and outreach center. But if that's paid off, it frees us up to do a lot more. If this building's paid off, we can have staffing, <coughs> and and it just enables us to invest a lot more into uh, growth. And that Nichols it will enable us to build an addition, okay? Which we absolutely desperately need. There's no way 
I can make any more of the square footage work. We, we turned our one closet into a nursing mom's room. You know, it just it just doesn't work. And every time we get above a certain number, we drop back down because it just logistically doesn't work. So we have basic ideas. We don't have drawings yet. Uh, and by this fall, when we launch it, <coughs> we will we will have more of the visual aids to help. But I'm telling you because you're all leaders. Um, that we're building momentum onto a bigger project that we can say, wow, in three years, let's do this. And, and in, in three years, if we can, uh, potentially, we could have this completely paid off, buying completely paid off. We could potentially have the, the building and the addition paid off, like if we do it right, or mostly paid off uh, at Nichols, which would then enable us to uh, really grow. Uh, have freedom for substantial growth. This this congregation could triple in this building easily. Exactly. That's exactly what. See, right now we don't need someone here full time because I mean they can rearrange the chairs. Uh, we need someone here on a regular basis. So Mark's down here one day a week. I come frequently. I'm working this year to set a goal of being here one day a week, Mark on a different day. Uh, so we're rotating. So there's people here, and then we're down here for meetings and everything like this. But they have someone in uh, that lives here uh, that's working either part-time or full-time or two part-timers. And what role? Well, that depends on what we need at that time. <clears throat> and so uh, I don't think uh, for the four, you know, eventually at some point this church will, uh, could be completely autonomous and in relationship. But for, for, for the foreseeable future, I foresee this church continuing being in a very tight relationship with the Nichols Road Church and the Vine Church, because we are really so close, and it provides a strength and a stability uh, that I think is a unique, something that we're really good at that, you know, is different than the church down the road that's just the single pastor with a board, and, you know, uh, you know we have the structure outside. So any other questions about that? Anybody wants to sign up and donate? <laughs> so I have I've resisted this for a long time because uh, that's a big number, and I'm like I don't I don't want to I know the amount of work it takes to raise money, but uh, and that's a bigger number than I've ever worked with. But I've talked to other people, and they're like, I, literally, I had a conversation about our growth limits with two of my most respected. Uh, input people that I, I go to, <laughs> and they just said, "Raise the money." <laughs> they were like, "Like that." They were like, "Well, just raise the money, go the addition." They're like, "No, just do it." <laughs> you know, so there's a point at which, when the people that you say these are my advisors, I look to them for counsel, and they're looking at you and say, "Hey, stupid, just do it." You go, oh, okay, maybe I can do it. <laughs> you know, ever tell your kid, your kid to do something that you know that they can do it, but they don't know they can do it? All right? They don't think they can do it. I can't do it. You can do it. You know? And it's not rebellion. It's they just don't think they can do it. They don't believe in themselves. All right? <clears throat> and so it's it's leadership that comes in and says, Hey, you can do it. It's the coach. You can do it. Uh, and so I feel we can do it. Can we do it? Yeah. Yes. Come on. Yeah.
We can do it. Yes, we can. All right. <laughs> Great. You guys do it. I'm going on vacation. <laughs> I'm going to put Graham in charge of it. <laughs> All right. So that was one other major uh, goal. And that's something that, again, we're, we're just starting to get the, the, the ground prepared and uh, getting this word out. It's going to launch in the fall with a conclusion of 2020. 20 churches, our 2020 vision, yeah, 2020 vision. We're going to start in 2017 and, and with a three-year capital campaign, ending with a goal of 2020. In 2020, we'll have 1.5 million uh, or 20 million, who knows. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about spiritual growth, and then we're going to actually do a little activation, and then we have to do get these bags up because it'd be a real hassle to do church tomorrow with these bags on the floor. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, and <clears throat> they got to leave. So I want to talk a little bit about spiritual growth. I want to jump into this. Um, um, so the reason we focus on the spiritual growth, that was the most important system, and um, everything hinges on that. Nothing else works. You know, people come to church. Uh, the primary reason people come to church, often people answer it's looking for friends, looking for connection. The reason they come to church is because they're looking for God. Okay? Because if they're just looking for friends, they'd go somewhere else. It's easier to have friends. You know, there's lots of social places you go to a bar, you know, and you go bowling you know, like, uh, join club. <coughs> but they go to church. Yes, they want friends, they want relationship, but they want a, they want to connect with God in some way. And so if our spiritual life is not vibrant, if we have everything else, it doesn't matter. Okay? And so that's why it's so important to get this right. <clears throat> and it's so important to get it to a place where um, it is, uh, it's systemized, okay? That we have, we have it thought out, that there's a, a way that people can easily plug in and grow spiritually. There's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, there's a destination starting point, there's a, a pathway, and there's a destination for spiritual growth. And so... Uh, Building that into um, the church, New Day at each congregation, as well as all three congregations, is an ultimate priority, and, and that's why we've, we're focusing a whole year preaching on it. But as a leadership team, we want to focus on it and give thought, uh, intentional um, uh, thought into how we can develop that. Uh, ultimately, it means uh, creating a culture, uh, and that word is used a lot. When you go to Bill Johnson, he's always using the word culture of honor, but a culture of spiritual life, a culture of spiritual growth um, in a church. So what's the difference between a structure and a culture? A structure like a building. Culture you take with you when you leave. That's excellent. What would you think? Atmosphere, vibe, interaction, there's a structure. Culture creates behavior. What do you mean by that? Okay. Shared values, shared behavior. And so when I go to Japan, I don't put my hands around everybody. Because you don't touch people you don't know. You don't even touch people you know. <laughs> right? When I, when I go to uh, uh, different countries, you might not 
You know, in, in Thailand, you, you never point your foot at somebody. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I wouldn't do this. That is an insult. Okay. Insult. Yeah. Don't you? Sold it every day. <laughs> People don't even know it. <laughs> you don't put you in England. It's really hard for me to be in England. You can't put your feet up on anything ever, except when you're in the hotel room, the door closed. Right. <clears throat> culture shapes behavior. And so we have a culture. How do people learn a culture? Living in it, time, immersion. What were some other? Were there other? Observation. You know how I found out? You don't put your feet on something? <laughs> I put my feet on something. Some guy said, get your feet off that. Who do you think you are? What about the person that's going to sit on there, that chair, after you get... No, he was pretty, he was, he was Dutch, he was not polite, he was very forthright. <laughs> I was like, I didn't do this, but I was like, I'm an American, I put my feet where I want. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sir, I'll wipe off the dirt that's not there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, you don't show the sole of your foot. That's a complete insult. Okay, so how do we create culture? Google. That's how you find out. How do you create the culture? How can we create culture? By getting mad about... That's actually a really good point, okay? Listen, I get mad when I find out someone is doing something destructive to themselves or destructive to other people. And that anger motivates me to intervene. That's a great question. What else? Tomorrow? Defining. Excellent. Can't, you can't know what's right or wrong if someone doesn't actually define it. Absolutely. Yeah. And just being aware of what culture you're in, what are the subcultures that are out there, the countercultures, you know, being aware of that, being able to explain, define. You know, I'm constantly talking to my kids, especially now that my boys, about stuff in the world and saying, this is why they think that. And I actually try to help them see why someone rational would believe some of these things. Um, uh, you know, uh, gender issues, homosexuality issues, political issues that I disagree with. It's not good enough for them just to know that I disagree with that and why I disagree. I want them to know this is why they think this. What do you think will happen if that, that thought pattern is carried out? And, and usually they come to the same conclusion. Or they be quiet. <laughs> okay. So Jesus said this amazing statement. He said it nine. I think I think I found it nineteen times. I separated down. Many times in Scripture, we read that Jesus said two words. <clears throat> this is how he, he, This is one of the main things he said. Yes, two words. Jesus said, "Follow me." 
follow me. <clears throat> he said to them, follow me. And what's the next line of the one he probably won't finish? He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Okay? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. Uh, time and time again, I, I don't have time to read all of the places where Jesus worked that into different responses. We're going to read through a few of them. Um, so what does that mean when Jesus, in order to create a culture of spiritual life and spiritual growth uh, and implement all of the ideas that we've already come up with, we do need to know what spiritual growth and spiritual life is. Okay? I'm going to actually teach a little bit about what I mean when I talk about spiritual life. Um, some people will automatically fill in, well, they know a lot of the Bible, or they pray often, uh, you know, or they don't uh, use drugs, or they, uh, you know, they, they, they're married, and they, you know, don't have an affair, they don't commit uh, sins, or they don't, whatever, fill in the blank. Uh, and so those, those are all, like, definitions, but the, to me, that is not really what spiritual life is. I think spiritual life is this, uh, what Jesus said. It's follow me. Not me, but follow Jesus. Okay? So what, does, what did Jesus mean when he said that to, uh, what was it, the first two? Peter and James? Andrew. The two fishermen. <laughs> he said it to the rich young ruler. He said it to a whole bunch of different people. What did he mean? What does it mean, follow me? What can we... <coughs> Discipleship, right. Do what he's doing. Okay? If you, if you say, follow me, what does that imply? Surrender? I'm going somewhere. He doesn't say, stay with me. Right? He doesn't say, hide with me. He said, follow me. So he's walking, he's moving, he's got a destination. And he's got a path. <clears throat> he's on a journey. Okay? Um, and, he, and, and, and in order to, uh, to fulfill the call, the call is simply following Jesus. Uh, living like him. Going where he goes. Doing what he does. Imitating Christ. Right? Uh, and, and then you see that worked out in the Gospels, where he would do something, and then he'd have the disciples, no, you do it. And then he'd send them out and do what you just saw me do. And that's, that's the essence of spiritual life. But even in <coughs> this, um, this initial time that he says, follow me and I'll make you uh, fishers of men, that is a huge uh, thing is what we see, I think, I'm going to tie it into the whole three journeys, the follow me is certainly the inward journey and the upward journey of pursuing God and getting yourself right with him. But right from the get-go, it's reaching the world. I will make you fishers of men. And the reason that is important is that that's who Jesus is. Okay? You cannot be like Jesus if you're not committed to reaching others to the point of dying. for them. Because that's who Jesus is. It's the essence of his being. Right? Whether or not that you, evangelism is your spiritual gift. Right? It's being Christ-like. And so understanding, oh wow, what is spiritual life? Wow, it's being like Christ. It's walking like him. It's following him. It's going where he goes. It's doing what he does. What does he do? He reaches other people. And what does he tell other people? He tells other people to follow him. 
All right. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So Paul, I mean, it's just spelled out uh, uh, almost by the letter what it means to lead people. This is what discipleship is. It's not just the, 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 we use tools, tools like memorizing Bible verses, reading scripture, learning how to understand scripture so we know what Jesus is doing and where he's going and how he's getting there, okay? We learn tools hearing God's voice. Uh, we learn all the tools, but those are tools. And as one thing, I've got a lot of tools in my garage. I, I can't use most of them very well, all right? <laughs> you can have a lot of tools and not be able to make anything. All right, big difference between having the hardware and the right software to make it run, and knowing how to put things together, and then actually doing it. And so, spiritual life is the combination of having the right tools and the right knowledge, and, and the ability to create something that's living, that's a culture and not a structure. All right. And so, as we're going through this whole year of trying to build a culture, and what we're going to talk about in, uh, in groups in a little bit is how can we create culture of spiritual life? We can't just fall back to the, the tools. It has to be more than that. It has to be how can we use these tools to create a culture. Uh, does that make sense? Okay. Let's just read a couple other verses where, where we find this. you have a question? That's a hard question. <laughs> Jesus said to in Matthew 16, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What is added in this verse? Denying self and taking up the cross. What does that mean? Surrender, sacrifice, ownership, paying a price. Taking up the cross. Uh, what would that? How would you say that to someone in our day that's never been to church or Sunday school? You, you need to take up your cross. I don't have a cross. Change. <laughs> so, what if you say that? And this is what I think the church fails at. Often we say that part, but we don't say the follow me part. Because God doesn't want you to die on a cross. He wants you to live a resurrection life. Okay? And so this is where the church stumbles. We get focused on the cross to the exclusion of the resurrection. All right? <clears throat> and so take up your cross. Yeah, you need to die to yourself so that you can really live. All right? And so, yeah, that behavior needs to be put off because it's killing you, right? And that's not real life. And so that's the follow me part, is that get rid of that stuff because this is real life, right? And we need to figure out a way to communicate that to people in, in our day. Uh, how can we create a culture where that is taught and modeled? How can we create a culture where denying yourself and carrying your cross is celebrated. You get more of what you celebrate. Whatever you celebrate, you're going to get more.
Yeah. Well, there's a balance there, isn't it? Because you can't have the resurrection without the crucifixion. Levi, he's gone. I, I saw him. This is years ago. He said, People come up to me all the time and say, Oh, I really wish I could play piano like you. And he'd say, I'd look at him and say, No, you don't. Because if you did, you'd practice at least an hour or two every day from the time you were five years old, like I did. <laughs> he's gotten nicer. <laughs> <laughs> so we celebrate. We need to learn how to create a culture where both repentance. And, and, and denying yourself is celebrated uh, as well as the fruit of, of, of the re resurrection and, and the new life. Yeah. yeah, and so we need to model repentance. Yeah. There's nothing more powerful than to, than to go to someone and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You know, uh, someone, a uh, pastor, just a few months ago said, how can I encourage people in my church to be a counselor? I said, be a counselor. <laughs> you know, and you tell someone, you know, we, we were getting married counseling, and this time, and they go, you got married counseling? Yeah. We've had married counseling. Uh-huh. <clears throat> yeah. And so modeling uh, repentance, modeling then also freedom. Uh -huh. And then celebrating it. Like, wow, that's great. Um, and then someone confesses something, don't shout them, actually celebrate. Thank you for sharing that. That is so valuable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, that's what culture is, is that we need to actually live it, okay, and incorporate it. You can shift culture, all right? Uh, it's happening in a negative way in the world. Culture, culture has shifted so much in my lifetime. I mean, my goodness. Stuff that were just, everybody knew we could joke about those people. <laughs> right? And now you can't, if you mention it now, all of a sudden, where are we? It's just like a total flip-flop, right? So if we see that cultural shift in the world, guess what? We have the power, we actually have more power to create cultural shift because we're speaking truth and life and power of God. Yeah, truth. And, and what happened was you were in a different people group. And you were around, you know, uh, people that were talking love more than fear. And so, the, you know, Jesus didn't say, follow me or you go to hell. You know, Jesus actually talks about hell more than probably any place else in the Bible. Uh, but the call to follow him wasn't fear-based. It was life-based. It was opportunity-based. <laughs> and, and someone said mothering and fathering. Fathering and mothering over here. Uh, Rick Grazio is going to talk about spiritual growth and discipleship. He says, I don't like the term discipleship. I, I say spiritual fathering and mothering. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. It's okay. And that's what it is. It's being a spiritual father and mother. Guess what, guys? Look around this room. You're it. Okay? You're it. But, but I need it. Yeah, I know. I need it. I find it. I find people like Mark Schieber, like Rick Grazio. 
and I talk to them, you know, follow them I'm a puppy, <laughs> get whatever they drop, you know. But then I also found that, you know, in order to receive, I need to give. And the more I give, the more I receive. And so you need to find ways, we need to find ways, interdependent ways, to create a culture where repentance, denying yourself, and following Jesus into resurrection life power is celebrated. And it's the, the people just come in, they just naturally fall in, they learn things uh, uh, in a way that changes their life. <clears throat> uh, one more verse, uh, Matthew, uh, Mark 10. So Jesus, looking at him, loved him. This is motive. This came out of love. And said to him, this is a rich ruler. He says, you know, there's one thing you're lacking. Go, go back home, take everything you have, give it all to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come, take up your cross and follow me. What's added in this one? Giving everything you have. To whom? All right. Is this important in the Bible? Right. So this is the issue. This is one example. I've turned a bunch of examples of, of the issue of justice. And frankly, uh, we have lost touch, I think, in the, in the Western church of the role of justice and equity and, 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 and Caring for those who are uh, disenfranchised, uh, uh, underprivileged, underserved—we've uh, just lost the value of it. I was, uh, I was thinking through it last night as we were driving with Lewis. He's like, "What? <laughs> what? What, mean? what? What was that about?" And I was thinking, you know, <laughs> when um, uh, I don't know what came to mind was. Uh, I was thinking about this idea of giving money to the poor and how uh, so many people want to make sure that the money is used right. You know, <clears throat> they want to control the money because those poor people will misuse it. You know, I'm like, what is the deal with that? And I remember that Judas, you know, said, oh, don't pull out that oil. That could have been sold and given to the poor. And so he said that because he was the one that kept the money box. He, had, he wanted control of that money. He also said he was taking something, but he wanted the control of it. And I just went, mm, wow, control of money. It's a Jewish spirit. Wow. <clears throat> and, uh, and so this control issue, even when it's in the church, is really just a, it's a demonic thing. You know? It's manipulation. It's codependency. Uh, but, but Jesus, that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't tell us to deny ourselves and die ourselves. He doesn't. He, he he modeled it, right? He died to himself. He was whipped. He was beaten. He died on the cross. Uh, but it wasn't out of fear. It wasn't manipulation and control. It was unto something that was it was unto life and life for everyone. And so, ministering to the poor and and meeting real needs in our community is something church we just need to get better at. <laughs> racking my brain, right? and we do we do quite a bit. You know, we give, we gave away one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in twenty sixteen. Right, uh, and that's to missions, to alms, to any outside ministries, uh, and so it's uh, over twenty to twenty two percent of our revenue. We've aver we average twenty percent uh, or more since I've been the pastor of 
of giving money away outside of ourselves. Uh, and, and I'm really happy about that. <laughs> Woo! That's good. All right. The goal for most churches is 10. And so, but, uh, but really, and we have ways to give money to poor, but uh, uh, we need to realize that this is part of the outward journey as much as it, evangelism. If we think that the outward journey is just convincing people to become Christians, we're missing a big part of it, right? Because uh, Jesus gave money to the poor. You know, that was a common practice. Uh, he hung out with the poor. It's a cult. That's the culture. And so we need to find a way to create a culture where that's celebrated, embraced, and, and, and actually also create a culture where it's okay to be afraid to go downtown. You know? Let's still do it. Yeah, it's great too. You know, uh, this is how I got over it. But that's part of culture too, is not slamming them because they're uptight. Yeah, and once you experience that and they find out they're 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 actually they're actually lovable, you know, I understand them a little bit. And then um, uh, you know, if you have experience in bridging a cultural gap, so it's okay, Kathy, you're comfortable going down in a neighborhood that's all black, you know, and pop shining. Then, uh, or you're comfortable being around people that are impaired in some way. Right? Then find someone who isn't comfortable and invite them to come with you. Okay, be the bridge, the model to help. I'm okay with the old man. <laughs> Awkward is my comfort, my comfort spot. <laughs> It does. It just it makes life easier, because then the other person gets more awkward real quick. <laughs> it kind of makes me happy. <laughs> the bottom line, we're all the same, man. We're all the same. We're all the same. Doesn't matter where you go. That's a, uh, something you definitely see. Okay. Um, uh, Jump to that, uh, Micah 6 8. Um, <clears throat> Has he not shown you, O oh man, what is good uh, and what does the Lord require of you? Very famous verse. What does the Lord require of you? But how many know this by memory? Say it. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Okay? Uh, do justice, that means that's the outward journey of relating to other people with justice. It doesn't mean, you know, uh, you know, uh, eye for an eye justice. It means treating them fair, giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know, it means love acted out. Love believes all things. I'm like, so someone says something that I don't, there's no way that can be true. I believe that they believe it. And I'm going to treat them as though they believe that to be true. All right? Even though I suspect it's not true. But I'm not going to be convinced it's not true until I have a confirmation and I can lead them into a scene. Does that make sense? Uh, that, that, as a, as a, that happens to me on a weekly basis where someone is saying something that they believe is true, but I know it isn't. And I can't just make them feel like they're ignorant. I need to somehow get them to consider other information 
And I also need to say, I might be the one confused here, because it's happened often enough. <laughs> Where I've had to go, oops, you're right, and I'm wrong. I actually like that too. <clears throat> All right, love mercy, that's, a, that's changing what you love, okay? You know, it's, it's, it's loving, uh, so it's, yeah, it's how you treat people, but I think it has to do more with, it's, it's, it's getting your love on, right? That's a term now in a book written about, right? It's getting our love on us. It's mercy. It's, it's putting the highest value. We treat people with justice, but man, we love mercy. We love. And so our, our love stuff is aligned with God. And to walk humbly with our God is following Jesus following God. It's having a tight relationship. It's that upward journey. It's the inward journey of love. It's the outward journey of justice and creating a culture that's uh, working together. I want you guys to grab those cards and get in the same groups. Let's just do it in here so we have time. Quickly. Remember the groups that you were in uh, that you filled out this card uh, four hours ago? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Get a marker. If you need a marker, we have some markers. There's a marker for each group. <clears throat> On the back side. <clears throat> okay. So. I, I gave some definition to what spiritual group, uh, spiritual life is, kind of huddle up into your different congregations that you were in the same groups that you were earlier. <clears throat> Mark led you through identifying some of the strengths that we have as a church in each one of the congregations. And I think that's really great because what we're going to do now, uh, it, it just parallels perfectly. There you go. <clears throat> Uh, because what I want you to do is, if, if you need, so the goal is, how can we create the culture of growing of spiritual life? How can we increase culture? One of the questions that you have to ask is, what are the obstacles to creating a culture that, uh, of spiritual growth in life? Okay. So uh, write down what you think are some specific obstacles for your congregation, your campus, your people group that you're with, that you're representing. What are, what are four or five obstacles, primary obstacles? Yep. What are unique obstacles or challenges specific to your con congregation for creating a culture of spiritual life and growth? Everything I just said. It's following Jesus. It's celebrating repentance. It's uh, celebrating resurrection life. It's not just Bible memorization, not just not doing the wrong things, but how can, what are the obstacles to creating a culture where people walk in and they, they want to do what... Most obstacles are perceived obstacles, insurmountable. But they're not. They're really surmountable with stuff you already have. One of the biggest strengths is family. There's nothing, you can't be self-centered and have family. You have it, you just need to welcome people into your family. Alright? 
We value people. We need to express that. All right? And so the biggest, the self-centered obstacle, acknowledging that is a huge step. But realizing it's just a speed bump. And we already have the momentum to get over it. Great. How about you guys? What was the obstacle? Or just the, the primary one. Feeling left out. All right. So how are you going to connect that? Right. So verbalize how you're going to connect them. <laughs> Mary Jo, do you want it? Very similar, isn't it? Yeah. Why do you think it's similar? It's the human condition. What else is it? It's the culture of our community. You know, it's great when you go to when you, go ahead. There's people in each one of the congregations, no matter how long they come to church, they still feel left out. What can we do to overcome that? <laughs> you know what? Part, in part, that is, there is a truth to that. It's like you get mad because they're, you know what, this is a love, I've had to do that many times. People say, oh, I just feel like I'm not a part. I'm like, well, you're not a part because you're never around. You know, you got to be around to be a part. You know, uh, yeah, what'd you say? You got to be okay with awkward. And sometimes saying that is not in a rebuke, but you need to stand up to it and not just say, oh, well, they, you know, you got to be careful around that person. No, actually, you need, to, you need to come up and just slap them with a sloppy kiss. <laughs> So we're we're gonna. So you want to put it in a sentence? We're gonna overcome the fear of being known and the fear of being left out by connecting with people and inviting them into our family and creating a healing community. That's putting it into a sentence, right? And then the next stage is like, okay, how are we actually gonna do it? What what changes week by week? Uh, what changes when people walk into the uh, service? Uh, you know, how can we implement change uh, as leaders, leading members, so that the culture changes, so that when the new person walks in, they sense? How about you guys? Yeah. And so even in a transient, like there's nothing you're going to do to change that the transient nature of that neighborhood. Because maybe I'm students, they're only going to be there for a year or two. But, you know, they can be welcomed in quickly, and, and, and they feel welcomed. And, and over time, there will be a remnant that remains, but we continue to welcome in new people. Uh, and it's okay for them to come and then to go. And so that's a culture that we have, I think, pretty successfully uh, uh, shifted in, our, in New Day overall. But we're continually welcoming. So you're overcoming the transient nature of the neighborhood by creating a stable uh, welcoming uh, community uh, and, and 
understanding that dynamic. Then <clears throat> the challenge that we can't sort out here in the meeting, but what we need to sort out as leaders, and this applies if you're leading uh, nursery or children's ministry, if you're leading healing and restoration fusion ministry, uh, if you're on the sound team, every, every aspect of leadership, how can we, these obstacles are real, okay? They're, they're very real, I and mean, no way minimizing the obstacle. Uh, how can we develop a culture and systems which promote this culture? Um, you know, it's like a Petri dish. We want a particular culture to grow where you put the right nutrient in that Petri dish, and then you just put a little bit of that, almost an invisible amount of bacteria in that Petri dish, and you come back in a few hours or a few days, and it's going to be a big sample, right? Because it had the environment necessary for growth. It had the nutrients, it had the space, it had the time to grow. <clears throat> and so that's, we want to culture these things. So how can we grow uh, connectedness and vulnerability? How can we grow stability and, uh, and unity? How can we grow uh, uh, community and, and uh, welcome a, 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 a uh, 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 selflessness instead of a selfishness. How can we model that? You know, uh, initially most people just experience this through our, uh, our weekend service. So we need to find ways to model that in our sermons, in our worship, how we stand, how we look at people. As leaders, excuse me, but as leaders, if you're in a room and there's someone that's not that you don't know. It is your responsibility to talk to them. And if you're standing in the corner talking to two or three of the people that you know well, and it's a service of the church, you know, if you're at home <laughs> watching the football game, that's great. But it's of a church service, and I walk into the foyer, and there's three people awkwardly standing at the, you know, coat rack, not quite knowing what to do, and there's four people that have been in the church for years, I want to go hit. Not the new people. And they're talking about some great thing that, you know, and they might hand them a bulletin, but I realize these people don't feel comfortable. Hey, how you doing? How do you hear about the church? Or, or just say something, oh, that's a nice shirt. You know, wow. Did you get some coffee? Uh, you know, something to connect. And in training, modeling that culture of receptiveness, being able to listen, what's that? Uh, being able to, uh, giving them opportunity to speak. Those are the things that we need. This is the challenge, really, uh, for us to implement um, uh, systems and a culture to uh, uh, facilitate spiritual growth, understanding what that is, uh, realizing the cultural obstacles and how we can take our strengths to overcome them, and then figuring out, and it's a, it's a weekly, it's a daily thing. How can I make this better? Uh, how can you do it in your daily life? You know, how can you be more open and more, you know, how can you say, follow me? How can you communicate that in the grocery store, at work, at school, wherever? And then how can you translate that into church life? <clears throat> that's our challenge. And as leaders, that's what it means to be leaders in, in the church of the Lord Jesus. And that's, just, that's what it is. Um, we're inviting people into um, a faith-based community that ultimately is an eternal relationship. Whether they stay in our church or not, 
doesn't matter as much as realizing ultimately when we, when we reach and make that connection and, and you know whether they're similar to us or vastly different from us the hope is that we will keep in relationship for eternity we'll spend eternity together in, you know in the resurrection with Christ right and then you start thinking about that but that is massive absolutely massive you know, and it just it just gets to the root of so much of the insecurity of life that there's nothing that's uh, that's that's long term. There's nothing that's worthwhile. No, man, relationships are worthwhile because the right relationships lived out healthily will be meaningful forever, forever because of Jesus Christ. You know, and that speaks incredible hope. That gives people hope to endure in this life gives people hope to endure disappointment in this life right and that is the message of the church that is the message of the gospel that is the message of the spiritual life that's what Jesus meant when he said follow me if you follow me you'll be on a journey forever and it takes an it takes an eternity to get to know an infinite God will never run out uh, he never runs out so Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. We, we surrender our, our obstacles, Lord. We nail them to the cross. We deny these things that are limitations, Father, and we believe that you have the power and you've given us already uh, what we need to overcome every obstacle. And Father, I pray that as a leadership team, we would be able to uh, make that next step into... Uh, uh, implementing a culture that uh, creates real growth in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is what we're going to do. <clears throat> we're going to uh, spend a few minutes, pray for the Vine people because they have to leave in five minutes. And then we're just going to pray over the Vandalia uh, congregation and pray over the uh, Nichols congregation. And then we're going to have a great, we're going to hang up the bags. We're going to have a great meal uh, and uh, debrief a little bit. So there's three more things that we need to do. We need to pray for people. We need to uh, eat bags and eat bags. No, we need to pray for people. There's four things we need to do. Pray for people, hang up bags, eat. Vine people, come on up here. So we prayed for each person. We prophesied each over. Just come in a group here. Uh, huddle, huddle up, huddle up. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and anybody wants to come and just... Uh, so we prayed over and prophesied over each individual last year, but we, instead of doing that this time, we're just going to uh, briefly uh, pray and prophesy. So if you have a word, say it quickly. Uh, uh, and then I'll close in five minutes. Father, we just we present to you Vine, New Day Vine, Shababalandrandedesi, Yeah, Jesus, Ha Shakadayandrande, Yeah, Open Heaven, Baba Sandrandedesi, Alarokodoyonroso. Hmm. Pray that they get a sign. <laughs> a sign from God. <laughs>
amongst heaven and that you would share that with them and that they would walk mm -hmm. away with that, that they would come in as a, as a pauper. As the sun's rising, baptism's happening. That being, as as the light's coming on, that there's from darkness to into light. In that in that neighborhood. Thank you. straight to heaven and it felt like the, the heavens had opened over the vine and for the community to see and to partake like everybody else I saw a column of light going from heaven to earth right over the vine church and I saw swirling um, forces of darkness swirling around it but they couldn't dim it they swirled and swirled but they couldn't dim it and I just sensed that that column the circumference of it is expanding and expanding. And the other thing I was reminded of was something that came out in Breakthrough Prayer, that God is going to restore to the vine what the locust has taken. It's just those streets in that neighborhood. And so I just I just bless that. I bless the restoration to the vine, abiding in the vine, everything that the locust has taken, be restored sevenfold in Jesus' name. strong and standing tall, fully grown from, from infant to maturity. We bless that in Jesus' name. All right, well, Father, thank you for the light that is shining, for the baptisms, Father, for the open heaven, for the mission field that's coming to them. Father, we just pray a blessing on their, uh, uh, their the, the work, the labor that they do, but also the passion, the care and concern that they have. Father, they're willing to labor in a, in a field that most other uh, people just drive by and hope to get out of. Lord, that we're, we're putting down some stakes and we're making a claim and we're believing for good things and we'll change lives and fruitfulness, Lord. And we just bless them and say they have what it takes. They've got this one. They've got it. And we bless them and we give thanks. Lord, we offer up thanksgiving for the team, not only for the ones that are represented, that are here, but all that they represent, Father. And we bless that whole team. And we pray that you would, this in 2017, that that team would multiply, uh, Lord, that they, their, their personal uh, level of uh, strength and, and giftedness would multiply, but that you would also bring in new salvations and those people would grow and others would be added 
uh, because they see the life that's in that place. And so that this, this church, this congregation would become more and more life-giving as they seek to serve you with their whole heart. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's 5 o'clock, and you can go. <laughs> that was the Lord. <laughs> Let's pray for Vandalia. Vandalites, Vandalites, the Vandals. <laughs> Is that like those onions? <laughs> That's what everybody says. Like those onions? There <laughs> uh, you go. All right. So we'll take uh, five minutes or so. Uh, Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yeah, Lord, we just express such an intense amount of gratitude, Father, for this great, amazing uh, group of people, the ones that are here and the ones that they represent, Father. We're just so blessed to be partnering with them in this adventure of, of launching a church in this region. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. feel just ripe and ready for harvest. And this area is just so full and waiting. And um, I almost see like um, it is so overly ripe that it's just going to fall right into your hands. All right, this one might be a little wacky, but um, so I feel like for some reason the Yoder's kids have been prophetic for this church. Um, and when we met you, you had six kids, and it's like the number of the days of creation. You know, and everything God pronounced it very good. And then there was a seventh day of rest. And then there was an eighth. And that's the new order. That's the first, you know, it's the beginning of that's like Jesus. We celebrate, we actually celebrate on the eighth day. Um, we worship. It's it's the new order. And I just sense that Vandalia's gone through a season where it's okay, it's been, there's a season of creation and God pronouncing it good, then maybe a season of rest. But then there's a season of a new order, a shift going into something. Um, bigger and more eternal and good. And so I just bless that in Jesus' name. It's funny, when Cameron said that about vandals, um, what I saw was that the enemy sees you as vandals because you're stealing back what was lost and you're taking back what he's taken from. So there's a pushback, but I just say... <clears throat> Because what the vandals stole, I just took it up, what the vandals stole were the things that were beautiful. They were the things that were beautiful and precious. And so, you know, the enemy has taken beautiful people and precious people to the Lord, and he's, he's convinced them of whatever to walk his way, and that you're going to take them back, that you're going to bring them back to their true identity and to who, who they were meant to be with all along. So that is your mission, and it's your commission to go back into that land and take them back.
being filled with a power that maybe you haven't felt moving through you before, but just this, I just am feeling electricity through my hands this whole time as we're talking, and um, I just see God filling your hands and your movements and even just your behaviors with power that um, there would be something that goes beyond beyond your words, beyond the actions, that it's a supernatural uh, increase um, in the culture here. You know, we joked about the Nat Amish, um, but uh, there's things that you have, some of, many of you have learned in your childhood and your cultures. There are some things that were bad, the fear or whatever, but there were a lot of really good things that the other congregations of New Day need, that dedication to hard work and get her done, and that generosity and that family and that just wisdom to live life in a practical way that bears good fruit. And so I just want to bless that side. And we need it in all of our congregations. And you have it in bucket loads. And we need it from you. So don't despise it. It's a very precious thing for us all. The world needs it. Uh, needs to see families that know how to stick together. And, uh, and we, we renounce and put off the the abuses and the misuses in, in that Mennonite, Amish, uh, fundamentalist background. They, they became cloistered, and it, their strength became a weakness. We, we renounce that, but we don't let go of the good and the inheritance, Lord. And so we believe that you have an inheritance on this on this group, and I just, just I keep seeing this on the say, you guys need to huddle closer together. We all like standing in formation. Look at it. We're like... It's like military, like huddle, huddle. Not, don't cuddle, huddle, <laughs> huddle, 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 huddle. Father, I just pray blessing on this huddle, Father, on this leadership, Father, and that that this this core, oh, this core. Oh, man. Listen, you guys are gold. You're gold. That's how I describe you. That's how I talk about you behind your back. Seriously. As I say, they're gold. They are gold. And people come in and see you. And speakers and guest ministry, they just look at me and say, how do you get such good people? <laughs> You're right. They're gold. They're gold. You are gold. And so I just break off uh, the, the, the 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 accusation that says oh, nothing little small town we don't have what it takes we can't do it man you guys don't see you're like grasshoppers in your own eyes but really you're giants in this land you're giants in this land and so we bless that giant giant uh, spirit that God's getting spirit of Caleb and Joshua to take the land and we pray this over this region uh, that this church would shift the culture of this region as you, it already has you as, as the church have already begun to shift this culture you know that and that we're just putting it in a box so that we can distribute it better uh, and that's called the church meetings and services but it's, it's the anointing that's on us and we're, we're, we bless it and we multiply it in Jesus' name and, and I pray that each one of these wonderful people and everybody in this church would, would taste and see that, that, that they lives have fallen in pleasant places, that they, they are treasured and valued and, and, and that they would enjoy 
the good that they have and celebrate it. So that uh, people come in and go, wow, wow these people so happy. Realize the good that they have. Yeah, I just, I just, and when Chloe saw, or when Chloe was talking, when Pastor was talking, what I saw was superheroes. That's what I saw. I saw you guys as, you know, one, one way, you know, Clark Kent, because I'm old school, you know, but then, you know, he comes out and he's powerful and he does stuff. And you guys have been kind of, you know, behind the scenes, you're kind of, you know, all, but you're not, you're superheroes. And I feel like God is saying, come forth and just show me, you know, you are, I'm going to send you out. You're going to rescue the land. You're going to rescue the people. You, you know, you don't have to hide anymore. You can, your true identity is a superhero. You are going to go into the land and take it. That's who you are, and you you're gonna rise up and do it. It's always been like a staff on It's always been like and now you have a chance to help people realize who Jesus Christ is. We bless this church's congregation. We thank you, Lord, that you allowed us uh, all to, to be co-laborers together in, in the kingdom. Uh, and, Lord, we just pray blessing on, on this congregation. In 2017, uh, Lord, that we would uh, see a multiplication. Uh, Father, we'd see a greater consistency and attendance uh, of the people that have come, tasted, not sure. Lord, just let us break that barrier and see an increase. Father, because there's this a culture of growth, and then I pray that new people would come. Father, one thing that this place has that our other locations doesn't have is that's on a major throughway. I don't know how many hundreds, probably thousands of vehicles drive past this building every every day. And so, Father, we just pray that we this this building would become a lighthouse, uh, Father, spiritually, and that uh, uh, um, that it would draw in and bring about transformation. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's wrap it up. Pray for the leftovers. <laughs> so, the Nichols group. I did. I did. <laughs> Huddle up. <laughs> I think leftovers are the best. My, my One of my sons... Almost refuses to eat leftovers. I can't understand it. Used food. <laughs> I was like, it's the best, man. It ages. Used <laughs> food. All right, huddle up. All right, Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, we come. Uh, we hold up the Nichols congregation and, and the leaders that represent the congregation and in, the, in Kalamazoo, uh, uh, really, we're kind of spread out, uh, but the, that meets at the, the Nichols uh, campus. Father, we, we hold them up before you. We hold each of these as individuals. Uh, we hold the leadership uh, of the church up. And, Father, we hold the congregation, every man, woman, and child that goes there. Uh, Lord, uh, the, the church, the congregation that meets in that place, in that house. Lord, we pray blessing. Paul, it's recorded in the New Testament in the Word of God that Paul would pray specifically for the church that meets in this person's house or in that place, the church in Ephesus, the church uh, in that place. And so we pray for the church that meets on Nichols Road. 
and we lift them up and we, we thank you. We thank you, thank you, thank you for such an amazing group of people willing to give and give and give and give and give away. They never see a return on Lord, but they just, just put in for for your glory. Just I bless that servant's attitude, Father. I bless that willingness to, to contribute. I bless that willingness to be fruitful and, and bear fruit that maybe they don't really see. Just felt like a fresh wind. Um, you guys have been great. The mothership, right? Like the, 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 the main load right there. But, and you've been so steady, so um, just chugging along. But now fresh wind, like 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 deeper. And I just felt, I just, I had actually had a picture in my mind. You all had your hands on your stomach, and you're all doubled over because of the power that was just going through you. And the fresh wind of God was just, it was the, the, the day of Pentecost is what came to my mind. It was a mighty wind, and it just blew through the whole church up there and um, as a leader to the to us down here and to Vine. I just um the thing with Vandalia is that the farm church because uh, they're literal farmers <laughs> but uh, Nichols Road we have we're seasoned farmers we've been planting seeds yes. we've been plowing ground and we've seen uh, uh, a reproduction uh, and, and, and we see ourselves as a as a church that grows churches as a, as a church that produces and multiplies and uh, I just pray that uh, that vision would uh, crystal clear and it would draw in people with that same passion uh, I, I bless that spirit of entrepreneurship in, in our congregation more that that uh, ability to look at a problem and see it as an opportunity and, and make a profit <laughs> in the process <laughs> you know start businesses and create new opportunities up through the ranks and become influencers. Uh, but you just you just really populated that congregation with, with high achievers. Lord. And so we bless that and speak that. You know, don't underrate yourself. Don't underrate yourself. Don't believe the enemy. We are reproducing church. Absolutely, it's one of the core things is a reproduction, and uh, we just bless the life that's yes. in the day. Uh, Father, let it increase. Yes, Father, we pray for uh, uh, creative ways to expand our 
numbers or numeric base um, father so that we can get to a place where we can build an addition and all the details that go along that. We pray for an increase of, uh, of uh, uh, level of commitment and uh, buy-in, Father. We pray for an increase of retention. Uh, it's amazing. And just just when you were saying that about life, I just I just saw that God would you know we just pray right now, God, that you would put in within each person the um, desire to give life, that we would give life to those who are out in the world and they're dying and lost, that that each person would want to reproduce that life in someone's life, that we would want to um, have spiritual children, and that everyone at New Day. Nichols, Vine, Vandalia would have that desire planted in them right now from you that we would just have that desire to see, to be spiritual parents, that we would seek out those that we would want to mother and father, that we would just bring them under our wing and that we would nurture them and have them give us spiritual grandchildren. Yeah. Your titles is the God of widows and orphans. So, uh, and uh, we're just following you in that. Lord, you produce that character in us. Lord, there's orphan people that we just, we just, we actually be really happy about that because they can, they can find a place to call us, that, that they can call home. Uh, Father, increase this in our, at Nichols, as well as Vandalia, Vine, and everywhere else that we as a, as a church has, has influence, Father. And we just pray a blessing on it that all that you've given us, Lord, we realize that you've just, you put it into our care uh, for your purposes to be fulfilled. And we're going to enjoy the process, but we ultimately understand this is your idea, God. This is your church. Uh, this, these are your people. And, and we, we are uh, humbled and privileged at the same time to be put in a place of leading your people. Wow, you would trust me with caring for your children. Uh, God, that's a pretty big responsibility. And so, uh, but you do. You put, you put your trust, you've entrusted us with the care. And so we're going to honor as best we can. And we know you're a gracious father. Uh, and we know that you reap where you don't sow, that you can bring a return even if we don't know what we're doing. Uh, and Lord, I pray that for all of our churches that we would see uh, supernatural return as we just labor uh, humbly and simply in the way that we can do best that you then come along and augment it with your supernatural provision in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.